Welcome to the Jay and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. Listening to Che Cheney and Pav Wanda, also known as Jim Guy and Wanda Woman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of The Staff Room. My name is Pav, and you are joining us today for what we hope to be a fantastic episode on creating vision or a school or classroom mission statement. So, as you all know, just before we get started on this awesome topic today, um, I'm only half of this incredible and dynamic duo, and sitting next to me, I've got this big deal, and I'm sure he wants to say hello in uh, in some sort of 80s or 90s sort of way. So, Che, go ahead. One man, one goal, and all we need is one real wide vision. All right, we are talking about vision, and we're talking about mission. And so ultimately, I've already lost half the audience because I didn't get the <laughs> 80s or 90s reference, cultural reference. But if you got it, let us know right away in a tweet that we picked up on it this time. But yes, indeed, we are talking about vision statements, mission statements. Again, all an extension of previous episodes where we've been talking about school culture. We were talking about leadership and culture, administration and school culture. And we came up with our great list last week. And this is an extension of that. How do we build? Why do we build? clear vision statements, clear mission statements, because they are so vital to the school culture, school moving forward. So today, we want to talk about mission statements. Yeah, and you know, as Che and I go and do further and further episodes, we are starting to find that a lot of our topics are beginning to really intersect. And I think it's because you need all of these components to be able to build a really great and effective school. And uh, having a great vision or having a great mission statement for your school encompasses so many different things that we are doing in the school, in in the classrooms uh, and what the administration is doing and what the students are doing. And we felt like it was an important topic. We were sort of building up to it in the last few episodes and uh, getting to this big point. Well, you know, we're doing all these small things in the school, but ultimately they're all part of a bigger bigger thing, a bigger vision, a bigger mission in the school. So how do you actually get down to the nitty gritty and develop that mission statement or have that great vision? Um, Because we know that it's not a top-down thing, nor should it be. It should be something that we work on as a staff and a school and parent community um, together. So that's what we're going to try and attack today and sort of get down to figuring out how to do that. Agreed. 100%. Can't wait to make it happen. So where do we want to get to in this episode? We want to get to the idea that our schools and our classrooms have to have clear vision, have to have a mission. And ultimately, the clearer the vision, the better the mission. And ultimately, we want to be very specific, detail-oriented. 
Vagueness does not get us to where we want to go. It just leaves too much room for ambiguity. And we don't necessarily want that. You were surprised that you guys said that word cleanly and clearly. You were like, oh, you're going to stumble on that word. I made it <laughs> just barely. Um, and that's what we want to get to today. We want our vision and our mission to be clear, specific, detail-oriented. We'll get to what we want in that mission statement later. But in, in regards to constructing those things, those visions, those missions, they have to be clear, specific, on point, and thus easy for people to get involved with, easy for people to relate to, and ultimately easier for our staff to truly embrace, engage, and become the mission themselves. Yeah, and uh, it goes with creating any sort of goals. I mean, we teach our students how to create smart goals at the beginning of the year. And, um, you know, it starts with one big idea. We want to be able to accomplish this one thing in our classroom. Um, for me, for the last couple of years, it's it's uh, building that that real sense of community in the classroom and building relationships with not just myself and the students, but between the students themselves. And so for me, that that's always really been my, my personal vision and goal as a teacher in the classroom. And I try to get the students to encompass that over the course of the year. So that's something that we usually try to build on. And of course, I lose my students every year. They go on to different class the following year. So it's not something that I can personally continue to build on with the students as they move forward. But in a school setting, when you're the administrator, you have the same set of teachers more or less uh, year after year. And so you you can, over the course of five years, you know, have a, have a long-term goal or a long-term vision in place to see where you want to take that school in your during your tenure at the school. So well, well, let's get to the, let's get down to it, Che. Do you have uh, something that you want to I'm just amazed that you don't lose your kids till the end of the year because I lose them by about period two. Sometimes I make it to period three, but by 10, 15, they're, 10, 20, they're gone. They're they just gone. gone. Interpret however you must. They're gone. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk overall the school concepts. I like you brought that point to the fact that, you know, us with our students, it's, it's like a reset all the time because right. we have a fresh new set of students. And it's not a reset as if we just do it exactly the same. Yeah. We always get to just recharge, recharge, redo, redo, redo. We build upon it and we do get all new fresh faces. But with turns to a school and an administrator and your teachers, it's not necessarily a bunch of fresh new faces all the time. And so you don't get necessarily a reset. It's a constant building and evolving of that mission statement and that vision. And I think it's so critical. But we talk about we don't want top down coming down upon us and we expect a voice for everyone and we want voice for everyone. But but our leader has to have some sense of where they want us to take. You know, and I know in this world we love to just empower everyone, but I still need my leaders down to my core. I need my leaders to have certain sense of moral responsibility, moral values, because our leaders are there for all the right reasons. They didn't get there by accident. They've had a long path in education. They have certain things they believe in. And if you're that leader in that position, that moral responsibility position, I do want you to bring certain values to the table, certain expectations to the table. And I can be a part of that evolution of that mission and vision. But I want my leader to at least have a sense of where they're trying to get us, where they're trying to direct us to. They're open to interpretation and veering off. But I do want my school administrator or my leaders in the building to have a sense of where they want to go, to coach us to it, to maybe lend themselves to it, but not to come in so 
blindly or blankly that ultimately it becomes on everyone else or it's open to everyone else because ultimately that won't get us anywhere. You do have to have some core leadership, some core places where we want to go to. So I wanted to emphasize that, that I want our leaders to have certain things they're trying to get across, places they want to take us, because as much as we comment that we're experienced teachers, give us some freedom, you're experienced leaders. I'll give you some freedom to lead. Absolutely. Otherwise, you know what happens? You know what you get when you have a leader in the school who doesn't have a clear mission statement or vision? You get chaos. You get everybody voicing their opinion. And sometimes those opinions are not, well, oftentimes, actually, I would say, those opinions are not aligned with each other. And you've got, you know, a couple of people that are running off to do one thing and, you know, and and then another group of teachers that wants to go off and do another thing, which is fine, because as we've talked about before, teachers want their voices heard as well. So, Yes, we want that teacher voice, but at the same time, we need to be following a certain directive because as an administrator, you would hope that you go in with a certain idea of where you want to take the school. You come in, you see, you you do sort of your own sort of analysis and reflect on what you see happening in the school, spend time actually observing the school, uh, and then go from there. Get an idea, get a sense of what you think needs to be accomplished to for the betterment of the school. Ultimately, it's always for the betterment of the school. So observe, spend lots of time observing what's happening in the school so that you can not identify what the problems are, but see what areas you can make an impact to to find some uh, some greater achievements in that particular area. Don't come looking for problems. You're always going to find problems. You said that, you said so many great things. And then I heard that, and I, whoa, ding, 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 ding. Don't come looking for problems. Don't come looking for problems. You know what? Our schools run exceptionally efficient. 90, let me see. I'm going to designate a number because there's no empirical data to prove this. Let's say our schools are running at 85% efficiency. And you try to find the 3% of stuff that's not working well. And then you micromanage manage it to try to fix it. And then you create inefficiencies all over the place. Don't come into your school. Don't go into your classrooms looking for everything that's going wrong. Build on everything that's going right. Because to the core, our education system works really, really well. And how much are you going to be able to correct those inefficiencies to really make the overall school more efficient? So observe, listen, talk, ask questions, find out what's going great in your building, and use that to facilitate building mission statements, having clear vision for your school. Now that we've talked about our leaders, let's talk about how, who we want involved in the process because we do want to make sure we have everyone involved in the process. Everyone needs to feel engaged and part of that process. So if we're talking about school, we certainly need to have teacher input, teacher voice in how that school vision is going, how the school mission is going. Teachers are right there. They are dealing with everything on a daily basis. Their instincts, their observations, their anecdotes, that is like a bar of gold. Have to tap into that. How do you tap into it? Well, you don't tap into it in one staff meeting because we all know staff meetings can be dictated, dominated by two or three personalities because yes. that's that's where they feel comfortable right. and that's um, not necessarily where other teachers feel comfortable getting their voice heard and delivering their message. You have to have a variety of different ways of communicating with teachers to find out what's working, et cetera. Also Sorry to cut in, but yes, as you're, as you're saying, teachers need that differentiation as well. I'm not... Uh, I'm not like you in terms of communication with other with other staff members. 
I'm not like you. <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty stoic sometimes. Yes. Uh, so I tend to be very quiet in staff meetings and I, and I do a lot more watching and listening and observing and, you know, I absorb a lot more. Um, and I don't speak up as much, but I have a lot to say during, let's say, for example, a fireside chat, which I found to be very effective to voice. I go in prepared. I go in talk with, with a list of things that I feel are important to me, that my administrator should know about me, about what my strengths are, what things I want to talk about, and what things I feel that the school needs to move forward. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, I just thought I would throw that little bit of I threw the buzzword differentiation in there. It's perfectly fine to cut me off. <laughs> Ever do it again. <laughs> I apologize greatly. <laughs> Please don't. Let's continue. <laughs> I like this back and forth. So we talk about those things. There's got to be, administrators got to find a variety of different ways to get that, that teacher voice. So we have to have teachers involved in the process. You have to have your students involved in the process as well. We do want student engagement in our school vision and mission statements. Now, should it be the overpowering statement when it comes to a school vision and school mission? Not necessarily. Again, I still want my leaders. I want my teachers. My students give me little points. They give me little snippets, and they should be a part of the process. But their voice in this regard, it's not what's going to dominate my school vision and my mission statement. Not because we don't want their participation, but if I think of who's got all that experience, my leaders, my teachers, my my principals, my vice principals, they've been through it. They've done it. They know the subtle nuances of what's going to work and not work in that mission statement. So I, you want that student input, but I don't want it to dominate per se. I still want the people that I know have gone through years and years and years of accumulated experience, highly knowledgeable, hands frontline um, working with children, knowing things going on. And then your academics, the people in your building that are well-read, latest initiatives, highest studies, making those impact. So student, I also got here... A word I'm right. highlighting for it. Do you want to take this over? Or do <laughs> yes, you want... I got that on my list oh, too. Oh boy, why so, don't you take this one? So I've got the community voice. Now, obviously, we when we think about the community, we're thinking about parents primarily because the prime the parents are the ones that are going to be affected the most in the community, the parents of the students in the school. But we can't forget about the actual community members in the the geographical location of the school. They they have a huge part in in what goes on in the school and they deserve to have their say in what happens in the school. The school is part of the community. And so oftentimes we want to, we want to bring in that community as often as possible to hear what they have to say. Maybe they've got some ideas on how to make the school community a little bit more accessible for people in the, in the neighborhood um, and how to tap into members of the community. There is so much value in bringing in people that are available to us in the surrounding community. There's small businesses, there's um, people that live in the, in the area that are running, you know, local businesses out of their home possibly, or, you know, they've got, they've got things that they can bring to the school community that, that has a lot of value and it can add a lot to creating the mission and creating the vision of a school. You want to tap into that as much as you possibly can, as well as the parents. Obviously, we've got the Parent Teacher Association or School Council, where you've got parents coming in to voice their opinions on how things are running in the school and also how they would like to see things go forward. So obviously, as administrators, we want to take in as much of that as possible and apply as much of it as we as we can to, you know, to make everybody feel like they are part of creating the vision as they should be. 
This is a tough one, I think, for administrators because it is tough to get a real sense of your community. Similar to my example of the, the staff meeting, per se, if you just use one meeting as a gauge of your staff, you typically get the same two or three teachers that are comfortable in that situation right. explaining themselves. Parents are the same way. You have the same group of parents that are very engaged, and that's great, But and they speak passionately, and they have certain points of view, and they try to get a message across, but it's tough to know if that reflects 80%, 60%, 40%. And so when you're trying to get their impact, their voice on a mission statement or a vision statement, important, but it's got to be challenging. Right. Challenging and really get a real sense of what's going on in your community because we typically, in that sense, we just get the extremes, positive or negative. Very tough to get the, the middle ground sense of what our community is feeling because ultimately our parents are busy parenting and working and doing those type of things. And it's tough for them to necessarily just come in and be able to get their voice when you come to building your school. So I think that's a real challenge is how to get that community voice heard. Cut me off. Do it. Ding, ding, ding. Do it again. I thought there was a pause there. I was waiting. So. It was for dramatic <laughs> For effect. dramatic effect. If you would watch Sorry. more Star Trek, you would have understood what I was doing. I tried. Um, so <laughs> oh, don't, I think don't, it's challenging. Don't, don't lose your own focus now. You no, cut no, me off. You I better come in focus. I got it. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I think it's very challenging in, in whole of uh, taking, you know, you've got your own ideas of where you want to take the school and what you see happening in the school, but you've got the, the parents on one side, you've got the community, other community members on one side, you've got the teachers here and you've got the students here and everyone might have intersecting views on where they want to see the school go. Somebody might, you, you might have the parent community saying, you know what, we need a lot more technology in the school. We need to see, uh, you know, every student in the school with their own computer, with their own laptop. And we want to see them fully engaged with the technology because that's where we see their jobs in, in 10 years when they're out of school. Um, but you might have, you know, community members that have other ideas of where they want to take the school. No, we want to see more physical activity in the school. We want to see all of the, the landscape that we have around us in this geographical area being used to the fullest. We want to see students out there participating in more physical activity. So, you know, it's tough because... How do you take all of this information and make it fit into one big ball that you're going to call the vision for the school and have that and break it down into smaller goals to work on for the next couple of years? This is a huge challenge and it's a huge task that administrators have to take on. And so I can see, we can see where the challenges might arise in this, but you know, how do you, how do you take it and how do you make it into something that's workable? That's, I don't know, that's something that we're still working on as a staff and we continue to work on year after year. Mission statements have to be evolving. We shouldn't mm -hmm. have the same mission statement for our school as 10 years ago. Of it certainly not. has to be fluid yep. and we certainly have to have one. We have to have a mission statement, a true vision for our building that's in flux, that's changing, that's adapting, but we have to have one. It and it has to be specific because it lays the foundation for everything you want to do in your school for the rest of the year because you can bring it right back. How does this relay to my mission statement? So if your school has a mission statement of being mastery-based, driven, student-focused, technology-based, then in your school improvement teams, if you have a budget of $3,000, you can say, you know, I want to spend $1,500 and I want a Chromebook for the junior division or a Chromebook set for the junior division, a Chromebook set for the middle school division. How can I justify this over, say, buying $3,000 worth of sports equipment? In this particular example I gave, because the mission statement was that 
technology-based, then that was how I was able to make that decision. It allows our schools to make a priority. So when we have all these wonderful ideas going on in our school, and we do, and lots of proposals and lots of initiatives, how do we prioritize which ones we want to use, which ones we want to implement? If we all have a school vision, a mission statement that we've all bought into, all been a part of the process, then it becomes very easy to prioritize what we want to do in our school, where we want to allocate our resources, what type of extra programs we want to run. And so have to have a mission statement, has to be specific, has to have incorporated everyone's voice. But like come back to my first point, the leader still the leader. They have to have sort of guided this conversation to where we want to go. I think it's just about time for a three enlightened minutes. I think, yeah, wow. We got pretty passionate about this. So um, I think it is a good place to take a break. I did get very passionate. <laughs> I'm really excited. You sound so passionate right now. This is amazing. Take it over, Bob. Uh -huh. Get us into our three enlightenments. We have a wonderful three enlightenments to share with you today. Get that rolling for us. All right. So today we are featuring Megan Richardson and Deanna Rice, and they are part of a program called the Young Men and Young Women of Excellence Organization out of Toledo, Ohio. And what they're doing is something fantastic. They're taking a group of kids from their area uh, to Guatemala to help them, you know, to help out of an impoverished area in Guatemala and then also learn about the culture. And this is a group of students who may not have ever had any experience, even traveling on a plane. So this is, uh, sounds like a fantastic, fantastic thing. So let's give them a listen on our three enlightened minutes. I am Megan Richardson from Toledo, Ohio, and this is my three enlightened minutes. I am a Toledo Public Schools teacher of 23 years and one of the district leaders of the Young Men and Young Women of Excellence organization. These programs were developed by our superintendent, Dr. Romulus Durant, as a way to mentor students by creating a brotherhood and sisterhood on which they can rely for academic, personal, and spiritual support. It is our goal to search out opportunities to enrich our members' lives while they grow into leadership roles within their schools and communities. This trip will be our first time traveling outside of the U.S. and for many, the first time on a plane. For as long as I've been an educator, I've wanted to take kids to travel and teach them to navigate the international world so they don't feel limited. The trip they are preparing for will not only help students see that they can tackle travel and everything that's out there, but also give them an opportunity to serve people less fortunate than ourselves. This kind of empathy can grow from these types of experiences and is invaluable. So that's the motivation behind working with International Samaritan and getting 10 students to the May 2020 service trip to Guatemala. A service team from young men and young women of excellence and their advisors will spend a week working on service projects and interacting with local youth in an impoverished community in Guatemala. While not working, we will plan on creating a Spanish and English documentary chronicling our time there. Hello, my name is Layla and I attend Jones Leadership Academy of Business in Toledo, Ohio. Going to Guatemala will not only allow me to help those in need, but it gives myself and others an opportunity to exchange cultures with those in Guatemala. I've always wanted to get outside of this imaginary box and explore places outside of America. I've also always had an urge to meet new and different kinds of people. Going to Guatemala is a very important experience for me because of that. With the hopes that I can make even the slightest change in their community, I look forward to my trip to Guatemala. Hello, my name is Danishka. I am from Puerto Rico, and I currently live in Toledo, Ohio. I am part of the SMARTS team, and I was also part of the Students in Action. I love doing community service, and I also enjoy helping people as many ways possible. 
I am really looking forward to getting to do things I've never done before. Hello, my name is Diana. Our goal for this mission is to help the kids in Guatemala however we can. We will be meeting kids and painting over the wall behind the school. That wall was specifically built to stop the apartments behind the school from caving in on top of the building. This trip is also for us to learn more about traveling internationally. This will be a great opportunity to learn more about how things are outside of our country. My name is Shannar Walton and I live in Toledo, Ohio. I think going to Guatemala will change my perspective of how we as Americans live. And this will help me change my life for the better and this year and forevermore. Greetings, my name is Serenity Bester and I want to go to Guatemala because I have never traveled internationally before. And I'd love to see other cultures and other religions that I have never got to experience in Ohio or in the United States alone. I have never thought about recycling as much as I have now. And when I saw the pictures of Guatemala, I have recycled way more than average. I also have encouraged my parents and close family to adopt some of these qualities. I have been in many different clubs and groups such as Student Leaders in Action and Young Women of Excellence, which has circled around community service and volunteering. But traveling internationally to Guatemala is taking it to another level. This is a great experience and I hope I could go and learn and bring it back and teach my peers. We are Team Guatemala and we are TPS Proud. Hello, my name is Dr. Ward Barnett, the principal of the Jones Leadership Academy of Business and I approve this message. Now back to you, Che and Pa. All right, thank you, Megan, so much for bringing us that information in, a, in our three enlightened minutes segment. What a fantastic program for students to gain some worldly experience out in the world. We thought that was amazing. So Che, I'm gonna throw it back to you and uh, I believe you have some Chanic notes for us. Let's keep this rolling, 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 right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's unscripted. You gotta, you gotta keep a straight face. Try. <laughs> I do have an anecdote because ultimately that's the way we script these things out. I come to the anecdotes and sometimes I sing to them and sometimes I don't. But all the way, you got to keep a straight face. My example is, of course, of a principal that had great vision for our school, great mission. When I come back to my personal example, I talked about how the leader had an example. And this particular pr uh, principal, I called her Action Jackson. As complimentary as can be because she took action. And that was her vision. And that was her mission. She wanted her school to be on the forefront of cutting edge pedagogy, teaching, technology. And she wanted her school to be the best. She wanted a Rolls Royce, a diamond, a bar of gold. And she made no, made sure everyone was aware this is what she wanted. Went outside our school, hired a person to come around and sort of explore our school, explore our bulletin boards, look around at our building, how we're going to make our building better, explore our technology. She spent money to have professionals come in, and there was always a little bit of hesitation. Action Jackson was a doer, and it's tough to be a doer because people are often a little hesitant with what you're doing. She was a doer, and not necessarily the best relationship I've ever had with a principal. I've had great relationship with principals, but... Without a doubt, the best principle that I've had in terms of setting her school on a path and really putting me on a path to be at my best. She was just that type of leader. You just you got on board because you, you almost couldn't. It was just so infectious of how hard she wanted to work, how hard she wanted to push. She had such a mission, such a vision. And like I said, she wanted to put our school on the map. 
with technology, with pedagogy, with uh, sending teachers to conferences. She wanted to make sure that our school was always the one that was being sought after. And she did. And teachers would come in and teachers would come from other schools and she'd run workshops out of our school. And she would send our teachers out to other workshops to highlight what we were doing. And I, the example I gave was I was into blogging very early on into student blogs and blogging and blogging for tasks before Google Classroom was around. That's right. I've been teaching that long before Google Classroom, before any of that stuff, before all this stuff was coming around. I Back then, I considered myself sort of a, an innovator. I was always seen to be ahead. People caught up to me. I guess that's a reflection of time, Z. But back then, that's what I – I didn't really necessarily think of myself that way. I was blogging. I was doing these experimental things. And I, I was using iPads when it was Generation 1 and schools didn't have any. And I bought two. And I was using them in, in the school to, to produce things. And she caught fire of that. And she wanted to know more about the blogging I was doing. She says, I want you to run workshops. And I'm going to invite – all the other schools around and you're going to run a workshop for them. I'm like, pardon me? She goes, yeah, we're putting this school on the map. We are running workshops on how to blog as a teacher, how to blog as a student. And I, I want you running it and I'm going to invite everyone. She goes, and it's happening. And she left, came back and it's happening in three weeks. She was a doer and she wanted her school just to be that, uh, just at the cutting edge, everyone talking about it. And in her eight or nine years here, that's exactly what our school was. Everyone talked about our school. Teachers came and visited our school. We were running PD. And my example is just one of six, seven, eight, nine examples where she was always doing everything to the max, absolute to the max. My blogging experience was one. A quick one, just to add on, she sent 300 kids to a Toronto Raptors basketball game. Like, we're making this happen. Let's do it. We're going to family community night, make it happen. We want our community to know that we're taking our kids and our families to a Toronto Raptors basketball night. She was big time, big vision, big mission. And it was great. And it really worked. And she had a strong vision and a strong mission statement. And we all bought in. And the school benefited from it. And it was fantastic. She left this school an absolute Royals Royce. You know, sometimes when uh, when principals or when administrators come in that have these big, strong, bold personalities, uh, and they're here for a certain period of time, and they have this strong mission statement, this strong vision of where they want to take the school, uh, sometimes there is friction, um, and that friction can, you know, cause a little bit of discomfort with with staff members. And um, you may you may not like it at the time. You may think, okay, you know, she's she's dogging me. She's you know she's after me all the time, and she's always on my case. And I feel like I'm being attacked. And um, sometimes that can feel like that's what's happening. But, um, you know, and I've heard this from a few people in the past, you know, looking back in retrospect, after that principal is gone and uh, so many amazing things came out of it. Sometimes I feel like I know when I've been in that experience, I'm appreciative of that. And I feel like, you know what, I probably wouldn't have pushed myself that hard. Somebody was there to push me to get to that particular vision. And looking back, the school was spectacular. It achieved everything that this administrator sought out to achieve, and we were on a high. The school was going places, and it was doing incredible things, and all the staff were doing incredible things. So, you know, it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge to work in a school where the administrators have that clear vision and are really, really pushing to achieve it, but it gets us there. It gets the school to where it needs to be. It's the right tool for the right job. No, that's a new one. Which fix it up. But if people just watch it, listening for the first time, they'll be like, pardon me, that was new? 
Doesn't do that every week? No, uh, no I mix it up every once in a while. Uh, yeah. Let's, heard that one on the podcast. Let's wrap us up, Pat. We've talked our 25 minutes. People are getting tired of getting bored. They're almost done on the treadmill. They've been parked in their driveways for quite some time now, <laughs> waiting for us to finish. So, yes, that is our episode. We talked about uh, vision, creating a mission statement, whether it's for your school or whether it's for your classroom. Same sort of concept. Come in with an idea. Come in with where you want to take your class or your school and set out that action plan and uh, get all of the voice from everybody that's involved to help to build that that vision for you. Excellent. Fantastic episode. All our listeners, thank you so much. Hope you keep listening. Hope to catch you next time. We'll wrap up with our signature. Remember to inspire. Don't require. And be a humble, humble servant. You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Written, performed and produced by Che Cheney and Pav Wanda in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week, because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.